please stand if you're able for a reading from God's holy word. Today's scripture reading is from John 11, 1 through 6, and 17 through 27. Please read with me the verses in bold. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. My name is Jeff. I'm an elder here at Grace, and I just want to welcome you all. Um, so good to worship together. I want to as well welcome our brothers and sisters who are online, join us online, and also those who are seated right outside through those doors. We are continuing our summer series in the Gospel of John, and we're specifically looking at the I Am Sayings of Jesus. And this morning, we're going to consider in John 11, a claim that Jesus makes. He declares, I am the resurrection and the life. And before we get started, let's ask God's blessing on this time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We thank your for your Holy Spirit that ministers to us and comforts us and cleanses us. Lord, we ask as we open your word today, Father, show us your glory. Lift up Jesus in our midst. Help us to see your Son and your glory today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, a woman was home one evening, and she heard a knock on her door. So she went to the front door, and she opened it up, and nobody was there. She's looking outside, hmm, okay. She starts to step inside, and then she notices there's a snail 
on her welcome mat right in front of her door. Well, she had done battle with snails over the years in her garden. She didn't like them very much. So she picks up the snail and she just chucks it across the street onto her neighbor's lawn. Three weeks later, she hears another knock on her door. She goes to the door, she opens it, and again, nobody is there. Then she looks down and the exact same snail is on her welcome mat. And the snail looks up at her and says, what was that all about? You were right, hon. <laughs> My wife warned me not to use that. But you may have noticed in the passage we read together a few moments ago that there's what I might call a what was that all about moment. In verses 5 and 6 of John 11, now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So John tells us here that Jesus loves Lazarus and his sisters, and it is because he loves them that he waits two days before going to help them. It's an act of love. So just let that sink in for a bit. Now, most likely, many of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, John's account of this is quite long. It covers some 44 verses in John chapter 11. Mary and Martha are nursing their brother. They, they realize that he's, he's dying. And so they send a message to Jesus, believing that he can save their brother. However, by the time Jesus reaches Bethany, Lazarus is already dead. And Jesus wasn't even close. John tells us that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days when Jesus arrives on the scene. Now Jesus, he tenderly and compassionately ministers first to Martha, then to Mary. Jesus even weeps himself at one point. And as all this plays out, Jesus makes an incredible claim. He declares, I am the resurrection and the life. Once at the tomb, Jesus demonstrates the power of God over death, and he cries out, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus rises from the dead and emerges from his grave. What a beautiful and powerful account that John records for us here in chapter 11. But the, the reality is we simply don't have time to look at 44 verses this morning. So I'm going to primarily focus on the sections we read together, verses 1 through 6 and 17 through 27. So let's back up a bit and we'll begin in verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. 
So Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they're adult siblings, a brother and two sisters. They live in Bethany, and this is a small village that's about two miles outside of Jerusalem. And we read that Lazarus is sick, and apparently his illness is serious enough that the sisters send for Jesus. They, most likely those sisters and Lazarus had seen Jesus heal others in his ministry, so they believe Maybe Jesus will do this for Lazarus. Maybe he'll heal him as well. So in verse 2, John also tells us that one of the sisters is the same Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Now this is interesting because this anointing hasn't happened yet at this point in the story. It's actually in chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, where we read about Mary anointing Jesus with the ointment and wiping his feet with her hair. Now, I think it's clear in chapter 12, if you read that passage, it's clear that that is correct chronologically. It doesn't happen until chapter 12. So apparently, John is mentioning this because it's very important for us to understand the intimate friendship and the love that is between Jesus and these three people, these friends of his. They are no strangers to Jesus. They are like family to Jesus. And that's important as we read this that we understand that. Now, John will write about Mary's anointing in chapter 12, as I mentioned. But I think he also knows that his readers of his gospel are already familiar with that story of Mary anointing Jesus because there's two other gospels, Mark and Matthew, contain that same story. And they were both written and circulating amongst people being read before John wrote his gospel. So it helps us make a little sense out of that. And John reiterates this love again, beginning in verse 3. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And verse 4, but when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So as soon as Jesus hears, as soon as he receives the word that Lazarus is sick, the first thing he does is he places Lazarus' illness in the perspective of God's glory. Jesus knows that Lazarus is going to die, but he says there is far more at work here than Lazarus' death. This is a much bigger picture that's going on. The purpose of Lazarus' suffering and of Lazarus' death is that the glory of God might be seen and that the Son of God would be glorified when he raises Lazarus from the dead. But if Jesus knows Lazarus is going to die, if he knows his body is going to be put in that tomb, why does he say in verse 4, this illness does not lead to death? Well, in this case, two other translations are helpful. The NASB translation says, this sickness is not to end in death. And the NIV says, this sickness will not end in death. Jesus' point here, he's not saying Lazarus will not physically die. He's saying that death will not have the final word. Because in Christ, God's ultimate victory over death will take place on the cross. And Lazarus' death and resurrection will show the glory of God and the glory of his son. And it will make the point, the beautiful point, that God has defeated death once and for all. And he holds full power over death. 
verses 5 and 6. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So again, John is emphasizing this deep love that Jesus shares with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Yet in verse 6, from a human perspective, Jesus has a strange way of demonstrating his love for them. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Now I think the key to understanding these verses is the word that connects them together, and that's the word so at the beginning of verse 6. Now in the original language, this word can be translated as so. It's also translated as therefore. So Jesus loves them. He loves them so he stalled for a couple of days before going to help them. Jesus loved them. Therefore, he stays put for two days before traveling to comfort them. Jesus allows his three dear friends to suffer, not despite of his love for them. John tells us it was because Jesus loved them that he allowed Lazarus to die. It was because he loved them that he let them suffer unspeakable grief. Now imagine for a moment that you're awakened early one morning by a phone call. It's your daughter or your son, and he or she is hurting, and they need you as soon as possible. What would be your immediate reaction as a parent? I can only speak for, my, for myself, but I would fly out of bed. I'd be out the door in five minutes, and I would get to them as soon as possible to travel to wherever they are, to love on them, to comfort them, and to be there for them. Yet John tells us that because Jesus loved his dear friends, he delayed coming to their aid and comfort. And Jesus was fully aware that his delay would result in the death of Lazarus. John 11 in verse 14 tells us, Then Jesus told them plainly, and he's speaking to his disciples, Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So we see here that not only is Jesus motivated by his love for Mary and Martha and Lazarus, Jesus is also made motivated by his love for his disciples. And ultimately, he's motivated by his love for us. This was recorded by John under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And when that happened, God was well aware that each one of you would be in this room listening to this. He knew that the, our friends outside and online would be listening to this. He loved us, and he wants us to understand that. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This is a difficult truth, and I'm not sure we're going to walk away today with an intellectual handle on how God shows his love here for these, these three people. But apparently, God knows and allows deep suffering and pain to come into our life in order to show more of his glory to us and to others.
God knows us and he knows what we need. And God knows that we need to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ more than we need to be comfortable, more than we need to have a pain-free life. We need to see the glory of God in Jesus Christ. Now remember, John went out of his way to underline the fact that Jesus loves Martha and Mary and Lazarus. And I think one reason John stressed that so much is he knows that Jesus is delaying for two days. That doesn't look like love to most of us. When I think of love, even God's love, I don't think of it that way. And I doubt that anyone else in this room thinks of it that way. And I think that apart from a work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our minds, no one thinks about love this way. Now, when you think about God's love, what is one of the first verses that pops into your mind? And I think for many people, arguably the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. This is the gospel. God the Father gave his only son to suffer and die on a cross in our place for our sin. And like Lazarus, the body of Jesus was placed in a tomb. But on the third day, he rose from the dead, feeding death once and for all. And why did he do this? John 3.16 tells us, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So what is eternal life? Is it living forever? Well, sure, that's part of it, but it's so much more than that. What is the heart and the essence of this precious gift, eternal life, that God offers to anyone who would believe in his son and, and receive him as their Lord and Savior? Well, it so happens that Jesus gave us a definition of eternal life it was in the upper room on the night before he was crucified. John 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So the core essence of eternal life is the never-ending knowing of God the Father and God the Son. The love of God for us is an eternity of him unfolding his glory to us over and over, revealing himself to us on and on throughout eternity. As we experience unimaginable joy and peace and wonder, as we come to know him better and better and better. And this continuous unfolding of his glory, it begins in this life. Once we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ and are adopted into God's eternal family. The Apostle Paul speaks of this in his second letter to the church at Corinth. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So the gift of eternal life is knowing God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and 
knowing him as he shows his glory and himself to us from one degree of glory to another for all eternity. So again, John teaches us here that it was an act of love for Jesus Christ when he allowed pain and death to come into the lives of those three. It was through their suffering, through that act of love, that God would show them more of his glory. And I suspect each of us in this room can fill in that blank. Things in your life that have hurt, things in your life when you've suffered. For me, it was July 9th, 1976, just 45 years ago, the night that my dad <laughs> the night that my dad Robert died I was <clears throat> 19 years old I was in bed and I'll never forget my brother Steve coming in my room and I can still hear him he woke me up and he said dad's gone Mom needs us. Get up. And as anyone who has lost a loved one can understand, myself and my mom and my brothers, we entered a time of deep grief. Yet looking back, I can see that God took my dad away to show me the glory of God in Jesus Christ. God used the pain of my father, of losing my father. He used that pain to break my heart and he began drawing me towards the tender mercies of his son. And it was Easter week of 1980 some three and a half years later when I embraced Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. God loved me enough to take away my dad so that through my suffering I would see the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pick up when Jesus finally arrives in Bethany, verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. So after traveling for several days, Jesus arrives on the outskirts of town. Him and his disciples most likely have a nice layer of dust on them from traveling the roads to get there. They've been walking for several days. And when he arrives, someone comes out on the outskirts of town and they inform Jesus that Lazarus has died. And not only has, has he died, his body has already been in the tomb for four days. 
Now, Bethany is only two miles from Jerusalem, as we mentioned earlier, so it's understandable that a significant crowd is gathered. John tells us here that many Jews have come to comfort Martha and Mary over the loss of their brother. Now, word reaches Mary and, Mar uh, Mary and Martha's home. Word reaches them that Jesus has arrived, that he's on the outskirts of town, and in keeping with their personalities, if you know anything about Mary and Martha, um, the two sisters react quite differently. Mary remains inside the house, quietly grieving, while Martha, always the doer, she heads out to meet Jesus. I'm going to go, I'm going to go meet him. So as she approaches Jesus on the road, try to picture Martha. Her and Mary have been in deep suffering for the past week, nursing Lazarus, their brother, in his illness, and then watching him die. Martha most likely is pale. She's exhausted. Her clothes are disheveled. And she's in obvious pain and grief over the death of her brother. Verse 21, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. When Martha reaches Jesus, her first words are, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And it's interesting, if you look forward to verse 32 in chapter 11, when Mary first sees Jesus, word for word, she says the exact same thing. When, when Mary sees Jesus, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I think that that hints at what's been going on between Mary and Martha over the last four days since her brother died. Apparently, they'd often talked about Jesus being late. And can you imagine their shared pain as they asked one another, when will Jesus get here? When is he going to show up? And I can speak from experience and I suspect you can as well, but grief and suffering often will raise doubts in our hearts and minds, no matter how strong of believers we are. If you had been here, you could have raised him. And then it's almost unsaid the way she puts it, but you can't now, you're too late. Yet as she struggles with doubt, she still believes that Jesus has come from God she says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Verse 23, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha believes that Jesus can raise her brother from the dead, but her response indicates that she expects Lazarus to be raised on the last day in the distant future when every other believer that's in the grave is going to be raised that glorious day when our, when our Lord returns. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. 
and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Jesus makes an astonishing claim. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus can say this because he literally is the resurrection and the life. Resurrection, eternal life, it cannot be separated from Christ himself. If you are in Christ, if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, the day you believed, the spirit of Christ was poured into you. And from that point forward, your life is every bit as eternal as Jesus Christ himself. And perhaps the Apostle Paul was considering this glorious truth that Jesus is the resurrection and life when he wrote down these words to the Colossian church. God chose to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's why, Mar why Jesus can say to Martha and to us, whoever believes me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Everyone who is in Christ, all believers are already experiencing eternal life. Christ lives in us and we're never going to die. Now, unless Jesus returns in our lifetime, every one of us, will someday walk through the valley of the shadow of death and our bodies will die physically. But that death, as painful as it will be for us and our loved ones, cannot destroy the life that Christ has given us. Life for the believer does not end at death. It continues eternally as an endless life of intimate fellowship with God as he shows more and more of himself to us from one degree of glory to another. When we die physically, we continue on for eternity, though our body is in the grave for a time. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Jesus asked Martha, Do you believe this? And she answers, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. Now Jesus has tenderly comforted Martha in the midst of her pain and sorrow, as she grieves the loss of her brother, Martha is touched by the Spirit of God and she's given eyes to see and a heart to hear and listen and understand what Jesus is saying. And she believes that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the resurrection and the life. Now near the end of John's Gospel, we read what is the central point of the book of John, of the Gospel of John beginning in verse 31 of John 20. 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these, these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The overriding purpose for which the Gospel of John was written is that you may believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Now Martha believed this, and her profession was nearly identical to the words that John writes in chapter 20. In chapter 20, John writes that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in chapter 11, Martha looks at Jesus and says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. And when Martha believed, she shared in the very life of Jesus. She was given eternal life in his name. So in closing, it actually seems sort of obvious that I pose that same question to us. The same question that Jesus asked of Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection and the life? That he is the Christ, the Son of God, who was nailed to a cross outside of Jerusalem where he suffered and died for your sin and for mine. Do you believe this? Do you believe that on the third day Jesus rose from the dead, having triumphed over death once and for all, and that he ascended to heaven where he sits at the right hand of his Father in glory? This is the gospel of grace. Do you believe this? Read Jesus' words here one last time. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that what we looked at today is not a dusty story that someone made up, but it's an account, an accurate account of something that took place in space and time on this planet. Thank you, Lord, for showing us the tender love that you showed to Martha and Mary and Lazarus by letting them suffer. And Lord, the pain remains, but Lord, we thank you for your love. Father, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, Lord, listening to this, give them eyes to see ears to hear and give them the faith to believe that you are the resurrection and the life the Christ the Son of God in your name we pray
Amen.